0: Well, good morning to you. Uh, If you will, turn with me to the book of Acts and the first chapter. I wanna speak to you briefly uh, this morning. And I do say briefly because I know you're getting hot uh, out there, I've had to forego the sport coat this morning. But I'm thankful that I can be here. And I do thank God for those men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice for my freedom to be able to stand up here today. And proclaim this glorious gospel. Last week we left off talking about the resurrection. And uh, Jesus Christ was uh, the end of Luke's gospel. He was uh, taking them out to Bethany. He took them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands to bless them in a Jewish fashion. And then uh, he, he ascended into heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit about the ascension this morning. And Luke's Gospel ended with the, the disciples rejoicing. You might see a stark contrast. Remember before when Jesus told them that he was going to go away? How did they feel? They were sad. They were, they were in despair. They were crushed, as it were. They didn't even want to believe it. And, uh, and they, they certainly didn't believe it. They, they didn't believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. It was only until after he arose from the dead and opened up their understanding of the scriptures that they were able to comprehend what He had been telling them all along. So I want to explore this thought uh, this morning as we're in Acts chapter one. Why is it that when Jesus left them the second time that they were in Jerusalem experiencing great joy? And I think it will be instructive for you and I today. Acts chapter one, verse one. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and he wrote the gospel, excuse me, he wrote the book of Acts. And in verse one, he says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Well, what is the former treatise he refers to? It is the Gospel of Luke. And notice he says that this, this first uh, treatise, the first account, the Gospel of Luke, he says it says of all that Jesus began to do. Do you realize that Jesus' earthly ministry, his temptation, his, uh, his overcoming... His death, his burial, and even his resurrection was only the beginning. It was not the end. It was not the ultimate act. It was the penultimate act. The, the ultimate act was when Jesus Christ ascended to his rightful place in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And so we're going to look at that this, this morning. And, and Luke's gospel talked about what Jesus had begun to do, but Jesus was not finished. Jesus has much more to do. He is actively, presently operating in the role of our great high priest who has passed into the heavens. And we see in verse two, it says, until the day in which he was taken up, we're gonna talk about that, taken up into heaven after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. One of my favorite scriptures uh, you, you hear me say that a lot it's because all the scriptures are my favorite. <laughs> so I can get away with saying that without lying. One of my favorite scriptures is in John's gospel when Jesus says to the apostles, he says, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen. I've ordained you so that you might b- bring, bring forth fruit and that your fruit might remain. The, the gospel truth is that, yes, we have to choose the Lord, but he first chose us. John says we love him because he first loved us. Yes, we must choose this day whom we will serve, but the great truth of Scripture is that before we chose Him, He chose us. And He chose us not just today, not just yesterday. The book of Ephesians says in the first chapter that we were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. Just try to wrap your mind around that if you can. Uh, Try not to let it explode because it's too deep for us to explore this morning. But He had chosen these and in verse 3 we come to a critical truth. An objective truth about the resurrection. Acts 1 verse 3. It says, to whom he also presented himself alive after his passion, it says in the King James, meaning his suffering, his suffering or his passion, he demonstrated himself to be alive. Now, I I really, really, really like the choice of words that Luke has here. By many infallible proofs, evidence beyond the shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ demonstrated proof That he was out of the grave and alive, not by mere subjective truth, but by objective truth. You know what objective truth means? It means it can be scrutinized. It will hold up under the microscope. Even if men deny it, the truth of God will prevail. And he says for 40 days. This number 40 is a probationary number throughout the Bible. We know that Jesus tempted for 40 days. We know that Noah, uh, the, the waters... Uh, The the rains were for 40 days and 40 nights. He was actually on the ark for much longer than that But we know that the children of Israel spied out the land for 40 days And they came back with an evil report and guess what they got to spend 40 years uh, in the wilderness We know that Moses fasted for 40 days. He saw the glory of God We know that Elijah fasted for 40 days and he heard the voice of God that still small voice 40 being a probationary period and 40 days Uh, until the Ascension of Christ. Do you know this past Thursday? Now, we don't celebrate it in the Baptist Church necessarily. We don't observe it on the liturgical calendar. But it was Ascension Day. And I think we pay very little attention to this fact that Jesus Christ not only rose from the dead, but He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And for 40 days, He demonstrated His resurrected body and spoke to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God for forty days. Now last week we looked at some of those infallible proofs. We know that Jesus appeared to those on the road to Emmaus and he ate bread. He broke bread with them. We know that he appeared while the apostles were gathered together uh, in Jerusalem. He appeared to them. He showed them his hands and his feet. He showed them the prints uh, of the nails and his hands and his feet. He showed them his side. We know that Thomas, on another occasion, was able to reach forth his hand and touch him. And he said, My Lord and my God. We know that Jesus broke, uh, his, Jesus took a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he ate it in front of them. We know that on another occasion, Jesus had cooked fish on hot coals. I could talk about hot coals this morning, but I'm not going to to dwell on it. We know that Peter, he denied the Lord over some hot coals. He was warming himself. But then Jesus restores Peter with some hot coals. He says, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, you know I love you, Lord. So Jesus talked to them about the, the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. There is a kingdom coming, dear friend. There is a kingdom coming. Yes, there are rulers in this world right now. There are governors and presidents and uh, and kings in this world, but one day the rightful king, the king of kings and the lord of lords will return. His feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. He will first come in the clouds. First Thessalonians 4. He will step out into the clouds. He will call us up together. That is the rapture passage of the scripture. You say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Neither is the word ice cream. Neither is the word trinity. But the doctrine of the trinity is there. It's the Greek word harpazo is the, do- is the rapture word in the, in the Greek. In the Latin, it's actually there. In the Latin Vulgate, the word rapture is there. That is the catching away to meet the Lord in the air. That is the next event on God's prophetic timetable is the rapture of the church. We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights. Tune in if you haven't been watching. Get caught up on YouTube on our channel and watch about that. He says in verse 4, he being assembled together with him commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So... When they saw Jesus in a resurrected body, they were excited. They were filled with joy. But Jesus said, it's not quite time for you to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. It's not quite time for you. I need you to wait just a few more days because you're going to need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what I've called you to do. And church, things are no different today. We can carry out the work of God in the flesh and it'll fail, it'll come to naught. But what is done by the power of the Holy Spirit, God says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise or blow your horn, go ahead. (laughs) Honk for Jesus, I've always wanted to say that. Now I get to do that and cross that off my bucket list. Verse six. Therefore, when they had come together, and they asked him, saying, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to here?" Here's a little interruption. I'm glad that this is in the Bible because it seems like this was a question that preoccupied their minds all the time. That was one of their favorite questions to ask Jesus: is when is the when is the kingdom going to start? And they were primarily concerned with themselves. You know, one of their favorite d- discussions that they have is is who would be the greatest. You know, even at the Last Supper, when Jesus is telling them that he's getting ready to die and he's going to be betrayed, and it says that even after, even as he's washing their feet, they're uh, they're reclined at the table arguing who's. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit on the right hand and on the left? <laughs> and so I'm glad they asked this question because it shows their humanity. The apostles were human just like you and me. And Jesus said in verse 7, he said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. I could spend all morning on that one verse. It is not for us to know the times or the seasons that God has placed under his own authority. That not only goes for the rapture. But that goes for the seasons in our life. Do you realize that there are seasons in life? You and I go through seasons in life. Life is anything but static. Life is a series of hills and valleys. And we often want to know, God, when are we going to come out of the valley? Or how long am I going to be able to stay on the mountaintop? And God will not reveal these things unto us, but we can trust that God has His purposes and His plans. And we know from Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good to them that love God and those that the called according to his purpose even bad things happen to you for a reason Joseph after being hated by his brothers being spitefully entreated thrown into prison and go, go through all kinds of horrible betrayals of trust even at the end when it came time to meet his brothers and to be reunited with them he could have taken his revenge but he didn't what did he say to his brothers he said don't be worried guys don't be afraid I know you intended it for evil but God meant it for good Even the bad things in your life, God will turn them around for your good. Don't lose heart. Church, God loves you with an everlasting love. Verse 8, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Can I get a witness? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That Greek word, you should be familiar with it by now, is that word dunamis. It is the dynamic, wonder-working power of God. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. (laughs) Paul says that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So don't tell me what you can't do, because the God inside of you is able to accomplish all things. Paul said, I can do all things, not through myself, but through Christ, through the one who strengthens me. Same is true of you. Now we get to the ascension in verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Do you see that? As they watched, he was taken up. Jesus Christ didn't fly into heaven with wings. He was taken up. He was taken up by a cloud. A cloud was his chariot. We know that Moses saw the Lord God of hosts come down on Mount Sinai. And he came down and the Shekinah glory of God came over Solomon's temple and it came in the form of a cloud. There's something about the clouds representing the glory of God, Jesus Christ in his rightful glory, ascending to his rightful place. The cloud received him up into their sight, up into heaven. The, uh, the apostles were not able to witness him going all the way into the heaven because the cloud veiled his ascension. But we know one day he's going to come again, Brother Ronnie. We, see, we read in the book of Revelation that John the Revelator says, Behold, he comes with what? With clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those that pierced him, and all the earth will mourn and wail because of him. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Jesus said, the Son of Man is coming in clouds of heaven, in power and in great glory. He came the first time as a lamb to be slaughtered. He came first time as a lamb to give his life. But he will return again as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He will come again as the King of kings of the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 10, while they steadfastly looked toward heaven. As he went up, two men stood by there in white apparel. I love this. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Don't you imagine? They were getting a neck ache. <laughs> Staring up into heaven. I know I would have been rubber necking. Oh, let me just take it in as long as I can. And he vanished out of their sight, and they're probably still looking up there. Oh, Lord, just let me bask it in. Let me take it all in. Let me put my sunglasses on because the sun's so bright. Let me just keep on staring. The, and they said, it's not time to be staring up anymore. Now, we're, we need to be watching for the Lord Jesus to return. But watching for Jesus does not mean sitting on a, a, a on a couch somewhere, not doing anything for the Lord. It doesn't mean to quit your job and and to sell everything you've got and to, and to just sit on a hillside somewhere and wait for Jesus. Jesus said, do business until I come. He says, occupy until I come. The talents that God has given you, He expects you to put into practice for His kingdom. Now He says in verse 11, Why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus. Aren't you glad? It's not another one. It's not a different Jesus. It's the same one. The same one they had spent three and a half years with. The same one that they held. John says it this way. We saw Him. We touched Him. Our hands have handled the word of life. This same one is going to come to heaven. He's going to come in like manner. Now, it doesn't say He's going to come to the same place. Why is this uh, significant? Well, it's because He ascended from the Mount of Olives in Bethany. He he ascended from Bethany, but we know that when He returns again to the Mount of Olives, it's going to be in the city of Petra, in Bozrah. That's where He's going to return. So it's not the location of His coming, but it's the manner of His coming. Just as He ascended to heaven in a cloud, so He will return in a cloud of glory, and every eye will see Him. The Ascension of Jesus Christ is mentioned in 15 passages of Scripture in the New Testament. It is a sig- of significance to us. I'm going to share just a few scriptures from, from John. I'm trying to go as rapidly as I can through this with the help of the Holy Spirit. John three thirteen, 13, Jesus Christ says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. In John chapter 6, verse 62, the Lord Jesus says these words. He said, What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? In John 14, which is a very familiar passage of Scripture to us, in verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In John 14:12, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. Then we get to chapter 16, in verse 5, Jesus said, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where am I going? In verse 10, he says, Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. In verse 17, Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will will see me. And because I go to... The Father. Then we get to verse 28 of John 16. He says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. This was something Jesus had alluded to many times. What are the implications of Jesus going to the Father? Well, one one key element is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come, but if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, whom the Father will send in my name, and he will guide you into all truth. The promise of the Holy Spirit was one uh, of the great promises of of the ascension, that Jesus ascended to heaven on the day of Pentecost. Peter says, that which you now see and hear, that you see the Holy Ghost being poured out, that the the church is born, baptized in the Holy Spirit... The the, the reason that this happened is because Jesus made it back to heaven. Another thing I want to bring to your attention is that the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was a forerunner. Do you know what a forerunner is? A forerunner is one who goes before, and it indicates that there will be those who come after him. Jesus Christ has entered into heaven... And because he has now entered into heaven, we know that we're going to follow him. We're going to go to where he's gone. And the scripture says that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. Oh, my. You know, this just blows my mind. God created the world in six days. And he rested on the seventh day. The Lord Jesus Christ has been in heaven in our time, roughly 2,000 years. Only about two days by his time. (laughs) But about 2,000 years our time. And can you imagine what God has prepared for you and for me? Can you imagine? The the book of Revelation describes in some detail uh, the beauty of what God's city is going to be like. But God has prepared something for us that your mind can't even comprehend. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, it hasn't even entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. He's the four. Runner. Another thing we need to realize, the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says that now Christ has raised us up and we are seated together with him in heavenly places. And now positionally, we are seated. Now practically, we are here in the parking lot of Deep Springs Baptist Church or sitting on your couch watching on Facebook right now, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your citizenship is in heaven and you are seated together with Christ. Why can I say that? Because we are the body and He is the head and the head and the body are together, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Another implication that Jesus Christ has gone to the Father is now the gifts of the Spirit. The book of Ephesians quotes from Psalm 68. He has ascended on high and left captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Praise God. Now the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to the believers because Jesus Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father. That means the gift of pastors, the gift of teaching, the gift of evangelism, and all of the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in the book of Romans chapter 12, the gift of giving and the gift of mercy and hospitality. All of these gifts are now available because Jesus Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He also uh, also led captivity captive. He took the Old Testament saints which were in the heart of the earth in the Old Testament before the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he led the Old Testament saints into heaven. My final point today is the implication, one of the greatest implications of the ascension of Jesus Christ, one of the greatest practical realities that now there is a man in heaven. Now there is a man in heaven. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? The big deal is that you and I are part of mankind also. Now, there is someone in heaven who can relate to you and me. That's what Hebrews chapter 4 is all about. It says, We do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And therefore, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, And to find grace to help in the time of need. There is now a man in heaven. John says it this way. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation. The atoning sacrifice. Not for our sins only. But also for the sins of the whole world. And that means that I can come to him. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter about my past. I can come. And Jesus knows. You know I think sometimes we're tempted to believe that nobody understands us. We're tempted to believe that nobody can understand what we're going through, but I can tell you, there's a man, there's a man at the right hand of the Father who knows everything that you're going through. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be lonely. He knows what it is to, to have someone die. Do you know when Lazarus do you know when Lazarus died? Jesus wept. The Bible says he wept. He, he feels the the, he knows what it is to grieve the loss of a loved one. He knows what it is to grieve the loss of a beloved spouse or a child or a parent or, or 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 a relative. He knows what it feels like. He knows what it feels like to be tempted. Satan tempted him in every three area, all three areas that John talks about: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan tempted him on all three points, and Jesus knows what it is to be tempted. And he knows what it is to overcome. And he can give you and I the grace that is necessary to overcome. That's good news. The ascension means that now there is a man at the right hand of the Father who ever lives. Listen, church, Jesus is not lazy. He's he's not been taking a vacation for the last 2,000 years. He's been preparing a place for us and, and... Paul says in Romans 8 and Hebrews, says this also, that this Son of God, this advocate, this great high priest who has passed into the heavens, ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Jesus always lives to make intercession for you and me. What is the summation of it all? Because Jesus is praying for you and praying for me, I got news for you. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. I'm going to leave you with that thought. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. Today is your day. You call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent of your sins. Call on the name of the Lord. If you want one of us to pray with you, we'll be glad to do it. Reach out to us, Facebook friends. Reach out to us, people in the parking lot here at Deep Springs. Church family, if you need prayer, you reach out to us and we'll pray with you. I love you. God bless you, and I want to thank again, thank God for this great nation of ours, and thank for those thank you, God, for those who paid the ultimate price for my freedom and your freedom, Brother Ronnie. Amen. If you put your hands, your fans out the window, to the door.